Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Sunday morning to you all as we are here today recapping NXT Halloween Havoc while mixing in some critiques regarding all things WWE for this week. I am your host, Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Ron Wagner, the wise man himself. I bring to you, as always, for this week and maybe this week alone on the free feed. It is Perky Scott Young. Welcome back, Perky. Well, it was Perky until I had to sit through a, a three-hour uh, Halloween special. What happened to the old two-hour classics? You know, what's what's wrong with the old two-hour classics? Uh, but, you know, as, as always, Keela, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. I'm excited to talk about Halloween Havoc and uh, this was really a show carried by two matches. Definitely. This was a show that felt like it belonged on USA in a lot of ways. And it was a show with a lot of crap that I did not like, which we'll get to shortly. But as you said, it was bookended by two strong shows and it saved it for me, especially the main event, which we'll get to momentarily. But I have to mention one thing that I know that you really don't want to talk about, but we have to because, you know, that season started on Tuesday and there was a thing that happened and there was a lovely, beautiful (laughs) ring ceremony for my Golden State Warriors. And you can see all four trophies inside the ring, a beautiful piece of jewelry as they absolutely beat down and destroyed your Los Angeles Lakers. So a couple things, right? You obviously don't want me to enjoy the show. Like you don't want me to be in a good mood during this show. So that's Never. fine. Obviously. That's what I right? do. Right. So I'm not perky anymore. I'm some back. I'm salty Scott. I'm back. So you got what you wanted. Um, secondly, we sh- we shall not. Look, the Lakers are 0-2. It's not looking good right now. Um, Lonnie Walker look- this looks like our best player. You'd be like, hey, and most of the people are like, Who? Who? Lonnie Walker looks like our best player, so there's that. Um, you know, AD got hurt already. I mean, what, it's just a basic Lakers season. So, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, it took two games, but Street Clothes is back for AD. I'm so sorry. Charles <laughs> Barkley called it perfectly last year. The dude took one fall, and <laughs> and he's out. I'm, I, I mean, like... You know, and Russ, Russ, let me tell you, I, 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 he played great defense, great defense, but you can't, you just can't go 0 for 11. Like you got to attack the basket. You just, you don't, if you, if you miss your first four, you, you don't need to shoot the next three when it comes to the three pointers. Just go to the basket, do what you do. Like, I know it's not a basketball show, but you know, I just, the Russell Westbrook is garbage hot takes. Those are ridiculous. He just got to play his game. He's not playing his game. They're trying to put him in spots he can't do. And the Warriors still suck. Screw all of them. Don't like none of them. Kaminga's cool. Kaminga's all right. (laughs) So you threw away the entire team and kept one member of the champion Golden State Warriors. I appreciate the honesty. I really do. But don't hate greatness. But in all honesty, your hate hydrates me. It makes me feel better. And I can't wait to continue this tournament for the next 80 games. But as we record this show today, I think the Lakers will pick up their first win against the Portland Trailblazers. I hope. I pray. 
you know, fingers crossed. League pass today, 3.30. Wink, wink. For those of you listening today. Plugging the Lakers? I'm plugging plugging, the Trailblazers? I'm plugging their demise. <laughs> if you want to see a car wreck, watch the Lakers. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you know what? Go ahead and tune in. I'm going to go ahead and call it. LeBron's dropping at least 40. And then he'll miss the next five games because his knees gave out for carrying Stop that it. team on his back. <laughs> Stop it. And they probably go lose, too. That's the worst part. In a loss, no less. I'm just right. saying. So we'll see. We'll come back here next week. We evaluate the season so far. If the Lakers have won a couple of games, good for them. But my Warriors are 500 right now. They lost to the Nuggets on Friday night. So I get it. I feel your pain somewhat, but at least I got one game over you. So there's that. And and, and a ring. I had to endure that. So. Oh, I'm so- no, I'm not sorry. I'm thrilled about it. But hey, I enjoy reveling in your pain. But enough NBA talk for this week. Before we dive into Halloween Havoc, which was a show if there ever was one, I want to quickly dive into some WWE hot takes from this past Monday and Friday. The NXT Go Home show for Halloween Havoc, quite frankly, sucked. It wasn't a very good sell job for me, which really spoke to the quality of last night's show. But let's talk about the good things from Monday Night Raw, including Bobby Lashley cashing in about three ass whooping receipts on Brock Lesnar to kick off the show. I loved it. Bobby was dominant. Brock took the ass whooping like a boss. And when that table didn't break for that spear, Bobby says, let's improvise. I'm going to spine buster your ass through this announce table, break it. And we got the great camera shot of the security guards and WWE officials trying to separate the two men. I loved it heading into their match in a couple of weeks, a crown jewel one on one. If Bobby can take the German suplexes from Brock Lesnar, of course. No, this is a really great way to start the show. And this is a great build to this match. And this is this feels completely different than the build we had the last time they faced off. This makes them feel like equals. You know, we feel like Bobby Lashley can hand, can hand out just as much punishment as Brock Lesnar. Because Brock dismantled that man with a quickness last week. And then this week, Bobby Lashley's like, yo, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. I'm handling business. I'm showing you exactly who I am. And I, I loved everything. Every second of it. I love that Lashley looked dominant from the moment he took over. He never let up. It wasn't a big Brock comes back and we get a 50-50. It was all Lashley. And I, I love that. Um, I love the presentation of Lashley has just been excellent. I, I There's really not much more you can ask out of being presented as a top tier babyface even without a belt, with without a belt, and without being in a, a main, a top main event feud, the top main event feud, I, I don't think you could ask to be presented any better, especially against Brock Lesnar, who sold his tail off for all of it. The spear, uh, the the spine, like you mentioned, that spine buster was nasty. The bounce off the first impact was beautiful. So. I loved it. I, I hope I think the match is going to be better because it's going to be a more even match instead of Brock just dominating and then Roman comes out and hands Bobby the win. So I, I'm expecting a much better match, especially with I, well, I, you know, I don't know who is the heel because I, I still think we might see Lashley end up turning and joining back with the MVP in some form. But I, I love the build. I'm excited for it. And the crowd is, is going to be hot for this match. I agree. I think it'd be much better than what they did at the Warrior Rumble because of restrictions. Roman was going to play a role in the finish. And you get to see them let loose, have a bit more fun out there. 
Let's be safe with the suplexes, of course. Let Bobby land safely on his back and not directly on his shoulder. That concerns me, but I think this will be a much better big cost battle. Two guys who can produce magic if given the time to do so without a championship holding them back this time and some shitty booking along the way. Another highlight for Monday Night Raw, do I call it that, is... Dominic Mysterio being submissive to Rhea Ripley because AJ Styles questioned his manhood. Are you a man or are you a boy? And Rhea asks the question directly to Dom off mic. Are you a man or are you a boy? And Dominic, I'm a man. He was very sure to say that. He was parroting Rhea word for word. I kind of like that because we realize who really holds the power in that relationship. It's definitely Rhea Ripley, which leads to AJ Styles versus Dominic Mysterio. It was okay. I wasn't in love with Mysterio's tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Those rolling hips don't roll for those suplexes. I digress on all of that. But somehow, some way, with an assist from Rhea Ripley, Dominic Mysterio defeated AJ Styles in a WWE ring outside of winning the tag team titles with his father. This was by far the biggest win of his career. I understand it, but damn. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um, you know, he 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 didn't need to pin AJ Styles. He could have just hit him with a chair at some point and then just beat him down. Like I I I didn't I didn't like it at all. And um, you know, Shakira he is not because his lips his hips were definitely lying during them uh them suplexes. So <laughs> let's just let's just throw that out there. My man ain't got it. I do not want to see him on the dance floor. Um Dominic, as I as a character though in this group, as a part of this group, uh, working beside Rhea, I I enjoy Dominic every week now. Like, and so we can say what we want, but he's getting a reaction. Like when he starts talking, people are like, "Yo, shut the hell up!" You know, let's keep it moving. Shut the hell up. And I I I, I I'm really enjoying it. And I like that you pointed that out. That Rhea said off mic, "Yo, are you a man?" And Dom was quick to be like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm a man. Yeah, yeah, I'm a man. That's right. I'm a man. And he he had that little stutter to him, like yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I am. And and then and you see Rhea just kind of smile in the back, and she gives him a little extra little rub on the shoulder. I I love all of that. So Judgment Day is a, a, has turned into a nice highlight of Monday Night Raw. They're a solid group, a strong group that's been presented like that. And uh, Dominic gets a good reaction, but. I don't agree with AJ Styles taking a pinfall loss to Dominic Mysterio. It just it doesn't need to happen. There's no reason. Why do I need to see AJ Styles versus Finn Balor or Damian Priest when I just saw this man get beat by Dominic? Like have Dominic just hit him with a chair and start beating his tail. You get I mean it's the I don't know. I, I think you do more damage to AJ Styles than you're helping Dominic with that win because where does Dominic go from here? It's not like we're going to start seeing Dominic in these singles matches and start, you know, seeing him winning big matches here and there. This is going to be just a one-time thing. And then next week, I wouldn't be surprised if next week AJ Styles beats him clean and then it does nothing for him. So I don't like that decision at all. Same here. And I would just want to point out that prison Bay Finn Balor strut on the main stage. <laughs> can we can we talk about how they all repping flags too? They all got the flags in their back pocket. Can we can we take a minute to talk about that? They all repping fins. They repping fins hard. Purple flag gang. 
to do something we did off air a few weeks ago. Fin you net. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Fin you net. (laughs) Just Finn coming out there with the representation, with the bandanas, all of all of them rocking colors. Just his walk. His walk, the big dick energy on display, like he is living his best life. And I prayed for times like these. I love Finn. He says, I started this stupid little club years ago. This too sweet shit. It's old. I'm over it. I got a new club now. I love Finn Balor. The best thing Vince ever did was leave. So we get this Finn Balor on the main roster. I, I'm with you. Like I like I said, man, I, I enjoy the Judgment Day now when they come out because and each of them brings something different to the table, yet they all feel important. And I think that's what really makes a strong group. You know, we talked we talked for weeks about how Rhea was clearly, you know, was the the centerpiece and she still kinda is, but now it does kind of feel like Finn Balor has kind of taken a little bit of the lead, not necessarily as, you know, I'm better than anybody, but just kind of, you know, he's he's just kind of taking more of a he's the he's the front face, you know, and I so they each bring something different. And Damien, you know, as you as you always like to say, Damien's always back there just watching and waiting for his opportunity to just creep on in for a quick minute because he's quick to say something quick. You know, he'll be like, yeah, that's right, Finn. He'll put his arm around him like, yeah, yeah. Then he'll pop right back out. Next thing you know, he pops back in. So the watcher's always there on the sidelines. <laughs> Great timing on his part. But yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy what Finn Balor's done as well. Not the watcher. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the watcher okay because as i like to say on this show damian priest is always in the room weirdo man i can't let it go it's a weekly reminder that he's always there always watching and he has his confidence back which we missed as well on monday night raw over the last year or so because we're not gonna forget rosemary's baby version of damian priest that was something after the wwe draft but We got Damian Priest back being broody and better than ever, which is always a good thing. We love Judgment Day here. The turnaround has been great. As we segue to Shade by me, because I hate The Miz as a character. I like the man. I like Michael Mazanin. And I know he's been working injured lately. I feel him on that. And they had to postpone his match against Dexter Loomis this past Monday. And we learned from Johnny Gargano that there is a past history between Dexter and The Miz. I'm intrigued by this. But what I'm not intrigued by is whatever the hell happened to The Miz and his inability to hit somebody with a fucking chair, Scott. So he was supposed to deliver some body blows to Dexter Loomis with a steel chair. And according to my eyes and the sound I heard, he was hitting the floor. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going you're not going to set me up and try to throw me a softball and 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 take it out the park on my boy. I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do because I saw them chair shots too and I chose to ignore them. Okay? I I chose to ignore what I saw, all right? Like you said, he's working hurt. He's doing the best he can. He just wants to go. He wants to get written out of the storyline so he can go home and have a little bit of a vacation, okay? Now, I, you're right. He he wasn't hitting anything. The Miz, is, this storyline's not been good. I, I'm, 
I do want to see what the Dexter Loomis connection with the Miz is. If he was like some extra and the Miz was like real petty to him, or if he was a somebody on the real world that everybody forgot about and here he is again, nobody remembers him. I don't know. But can we talk about one other thing that I thought, at least for me, really stood out is how unlikable Johnny Gargano is. Like, at least for me, I like he came off just as unlikable as The Miz, and The Miz is trying to be unlikable. Johnny Gargano just was, he just came off as annoying. Like, what is it? Why is it your business what Dexter Loomis has to do with The Miz? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I, I thought Johnny Gargano, like, every time he talks, he annoys me. I'd rather just see that man work in the ring, but. Him talking and doing this stuff is awful. But yes, Keela, to to get what you really wanted out of this, The Miz did not look good again on Monday night. Thank you for admitting the truth. So he was in your fave five, and I told you to knock him down a couple of slots. Nope. Is he down to maybe your top 10 somewhere? Oh, no, no, no. Miz is still top five. Absolutely. Oh, damn it. Damn it. Thought this would be the week to knock him off the list, but... There's always next week. And I do agree with you with Johnny Wrestling because he was very annoying on the show on Monday. I don't know. He was completely out of character. It was not him. I know Triple H wasn't physically there due to COVID. Maybe Bruce Pritchard sabotaged a script to make him as unlikable as possible because it felt very the way from NXT. And I know still in storyline is technically his son-in-law, but on this show, it just felt out of place and weird. Yeah, and that I think that I think you hit it on the nail. Like this... This didn't feel like Johnny wrestling. This felt like the way Johnny. I think that's a really good way of putting it because he was annoying then, but he was trying to be this. I mean, this is how I felt when he did the whole thing with Austin Theory in the ring and he dropped the the briefcase on his nutsack. And I'm just like, you know, after Austin Theory just had a match. So I, you know, I, just, I haven't liked the presentation of Johnny Gargano when he's not wrestling. When he's wrestling, he's, you know, he he does what he does best. He's excellent. But everything outside of that, I just don't, I haven't enjoyed the presentation at all. That I agree with you with. So, so, so far on the main roster. Hopefully it gets better with some better storylines and feuds for Johnny Wrestling heading towards the end of the year. I want to skip NXT because it was there. Ugh. It's, it was irrelevant. It was a very bland go-home show. I will say that. But I will shout out Dominic Mysterio being there for his woman as he provided a slight distraction to help Rhea beat Roxanne Perez in the opener of NXT. So he did his job for his woman as Rhea's done the job for him many, many times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to stir the pot a little bit here for all those that are saying NXT loaded up their show. When the biggest match that you got is Rhea Ripley versus Roxanne, that you know, I don't know how loaded of a show it is. It just felt like a a normal go home show. I mean, they ha- they've had main roster people come down all the time. It's not like they had Roman come down. It's not like Logan Paul showed up. So, you know, but it was fine. These were the Florida recruits for NXT. They all live there. It right. was. <laughs> You know, it was not Roman showing up. It was not three years ago when it was relevant. Becky Lynch being there confronting Rhea Ripley and Becky got booed 
at full sale. It wasn't that three years ago when it was a bit more relevant. So this was a way to make sure they didn't lose as badly as it could have. And they held up pretty well, despite a shitty go home show with some, I would say, A minus main roster stars making cameo appearances with Rhea Ripley being the biggest fish with Judgment Day being incredibly over with the crowd because it's Judgment Day and they're kind of awesome right now. And, you know, I, I don't want that to take away. Like, AEW, is a, that's that's a big juggernaut. But let's not forget the NBA opening season. And we, we joked about it off air, but that Golden State Lakers game, that's a, I mean, I know it came on late, but that's a big game. People were getting ready for it. So they were definitely going to tune in for the game before. It's opening night. You know, um, I think it was Philadelphia and, and Boston that played. So, uh, you know, it, big there's a lot of lot of attention, a lot of eyeballs to go a lot of different ways. And they were up against four title matches. I, you know, I don't think they did too bad. It was very respectable. And they went up against baseball, too. A lot of stuff was on Tuesday. Yes. So they survived. They did better than expected. AEW, they held up their own as well. So all in all, it was a good night for wrestling, even though the quality for NXT was shit. I can't even deny that because it was not a very good show. As we quickly move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, going down live from Toledo, Ohio. I thought this was a very good show on Friday, heading into Crown Jewel in a couple of weeks in Saudi Arabia. But one of my highlights was Solo Sequoia versus Sheamus. And I thought this was Solo's best match to date against a fellow bruiser in Sheamus. And I like the fact that WWE is not afraid to push new people and give them wins. Of course, we had a distraction finish courtesy of Sami Zayn. But the fact that Solo beat Sheamus speaks to how highly they think of him and the bloodline as a whole to rack up wins and tell a story within a story on the show. Yeah, and I think it's really important like very telling that they had him beat Sheamus who is arguably one of the most over baby faces they have in the company right now and you know the the presentation you know we talk about that with with so many wrestlers and and how important that is well, the presentation of solo has been excellent even from his very first match to the way he just he is the difference maker. You know, he makes a difference on some of these other matches where he's been on the outside. He took the loss to Drew McIntyre, but he opened a lot of eyes. And even this match, he brought that level of physicality to Sheamus that Sheamus brings to everybody else. You know, that's one of the things I love about Sheamus's matches is there's a different level of physicality. You hear them shots, you know, when he hit them 26 beats, you felt them joints because Solo's eyes were open for the first six and then after that, you saw him squinting and, and you just, you felt him after that. I, I love that about Shane's, but Solo brought it too. So I, I really like what they're doing with him. And I think whenever this does culminate, you know, whenever this does, this, this bloodline story, whenever this finishes, I think he's going to be able to go out on his own and, and really be successful and do his own thing and be ready to be like, all right, now what? Instead of being like, I wonder, what, instead of it being a, I wonder what they're going to do with him. It's going to be, I can't wait to see what they do with him. And I think that's a real testament to not only uh, Solo just being great at being really good and picking it up, but WWE at handling him and making sure that they're taking care of this newer wrestler. And he's great. He's improved so much in a year. His presence, his ability in the ring is so good. I love his entrance, by the way. I love the new music. The presentation's on point. And you know what? When you're in the bloodline, you're going to get the best music for your crew. Because, you know, we talked about the premium beats all the time for these theme songs for WWE. 
Solo's got a good beat, and it should be noted that that Sami Zayn did break Solo during the match because Sami was doing some kind of celebration at ringside, and Solo laughed. So he too has been broken by Sami Zayn. You know, I, I at this point I have to wonder if Sami's getting paid for every time he breaks somebody live on TV because it it genuinely seems like he's going out of his way to be like, all right, who's it going to be this week? Who's it going to be this week? Because you're and. But but two solos, he I mean he he broke real quick and then he snapped right back into it. And so and I <laughs> excuse me, let me tell you, I love Sami Zayn dancing to the entrance music. Like the way he just bops his head to all the different beats, it's great. I I love everything about the the interaction with Sammy and Solo. It's it's a great uh it's a great chemistry that they have. It really is good. And Solo has mentioned in interviews that he tries his best to maintain a straight face, but it's very difficult because Sammy does place bets in rehearsal. Like, I'm going to break one of you tonight. And he broke Solo in the ring. I enjoyed it. Then we go backstage later in the show because according to Roman Reigns, he has warned the bloodline and specifically hothead Jey Uso. Do not engage Logan Paul. Don't talk to him. Don't fight him. Leave him be. Save it for Crown Jewel. That was Roman's orders to Sami Zayn, to the bloodline, and Jay pretends to say, well, I won't do anything. I promise I won't get in trouble. That's a lie. We'll get to that main event segment shortly. But I do want to mention the Bray Wyatt promo backstage during SmackDown on Friday. I liked it. Some people were like, well, this is stalling out now. Well, let's see. It's week two. It's a slow burn storyline. I like the promo. It reminded me of some OG wide family vibes of him speaking in riddles a bit. He mentioned whoever this is trying to come for him. We get another QR code with some kind of psychological analysis of Bray Wyatt, a phone number that you call with, I think, Uncle Howdy on the line saying some cryptic shit. But I like it. It's different. My only critique is who in the hell decided to play his theme song loud as fuck in the background? That was stupid. Otherwise, when I could hear what he was saying, I thought Bray Wyatt did a good job. Yeah, Bray uh, Bray did an excellent job with this promo. I, I really like the promo as far as this wasn't like a supernatural promo to me. This just felt like, and, and you know, I, I have no idea what's coming, but to me it felt like when he said, I, I give myself to the circle and I have no regrets for what I'm about to do. This sounds like he's kind of embracing, like I have all these voices and like the circle of voices in my head. I, I have no idea, but I, I'm intrigued by it. And I, I do want to see where it goes. Um, you know, we get the, the, we get uncle Howdy, we get a quick picture of him in a, in a vignette or in a, video recap we're not recap but a, a video glitch or whatever they want to call that that happens um it's it's intriguing i just i hope whenever we do get to the wrestling part because we do have to get to the wrestling that it's just bray wyatt you know like he was in the wyatt family like it's just that bray wyatt wrestling and you can he can wrestle a normal match and people aren't you know dropping to their you know dropping on their butts every time he stands up or looks at them but as far as what we got going on here, I'm still intrigued by it. They, I, they, don't, they haven't jumped the gun yet. So let's, let's see what happens next week. Agreed. I like it so far. I'm a fan of it. We'll see when, once we get in the ring 
and how it goes. If it's not too over the top, if it's just Bray Wyatt from the Wyatt family in the ring doing work, I'm fine. If it's the fiend, no selling. We got problems. But in terms of character work, I love this. And I got a drip, maybe a driplet of Moxley in that promo regarding his delivery when it came to saying, I'm going to do bad things. I'm not going to regret them whatsoever. He's a bad man. He gets angry sometimes and he braces it. And I appreciate that honesty. Yeah, I do too. And I, I like the fact that he's saying, you know, I, whether you cheer for me or not, this is who I am. Like I, I am not a good person. So you can make your own decisions, but this is who I am. I, I, I like that take and I like that he's a bit of a shades of gray. Like they've done a good job of establishing baby faces and heels. So to have a couple people where you're like, you're not quite sure who they're going to go after and what they're going to do. I, I genuinely like that. And he's a character that really can fit both ways. So uh, I, I, I'm I'm intrigued by it. And I think that's the most important thing with a character like this is to keep the intrigue high until you do get him in the ring. Yes. And I just want to clarify for the record that he dropped a bar during his promo saying that revenge is a confession of pain. I like that line a lot. And now got to talk about Liv Morgan, who has apparently morphed into Harley Quinn with a twinge of the Joker with her makeup as of late, because she loves pain, lots and lots of pain. And her and Sonya Deville had a match on Friday. I thought it was solid with Sonya laying in some nasty knee strikes and hits to Liv Morgan, who says, I want more. I like it. She likes the pain. She likes getting slapped. They both got countered out. That was a dumbass finish, but... We get more extremeness from Liv Morgan as she sets up some chairs in the ring and she delivers a superplex to Sonya Deville and she hurts herself and she loves the pain. I will say I am intrigued by this. It's different. It's something that I did not expect post-extreme rules. And unlike just being happy-go-lucky that she lost the championship, it seems that she snapped after losing the championship, which is growth by character standings in WWE. So I just need to have this verbalized in a promo to say why she's acting out this way. But she's selling it via good character work, and the match wasn't bad until the double countout finish. So she likes all this pain. I need to know why she tapped out at SummerSlam before she before she pinned Ronda. I mean, like, I, I <laughs> this does nothing for me. Her, her all of a sudden being crazy and and going wild and just embracing and accepting the pain. Come on, man! Like, what do? I, Oh, I, you're right. It, it is it is doing something with her after the title, which is better than they normally do. But, uh, you know, I'm just she's essentially like Jeff Hardy. She's just doing crazy stuff every match. What can she do next? She's doing superplexes on the chairs. So, I mean, where, where does it end? How, how high of a ladder does she eventually pull out and, and climb and, and jump off of? What is what is the end game of this character? Is it to bring back the hardcore title? Like, what is she going to do? Because obviously she doesn't care about the title she just lost. I haven't, I still haven't heard her mention that. Maybe I missed it. I haven't heard her say, man, I can't wait to go get that title back that I fought so hard for. All I keep seeing is her smiling every time she gets racked in the neck. So apparently what needs to happen is, so when she does lose, is she going to be smiling when she gets pinned? Like, I, I, I don't know. This does nothing for me. Um, I'd, if she was 
if she was doing this and she was saying, you know, this is what you've done, Rhonda. This is what you've done to me since you've taken what I ca- what I cherish most. You know, you you've taken if I, you know, Lord of the Rings star, you've taken my precious. So now I, I'm going to I'm just I've lost it. I have. I, what do I do without that? That's that's been my life. That's different. She's spiraling out of control and she's enjoying it. That's a different story. You know, that's OK. The title meant something to her. She lost it. She went out of control and then she realized she really enjoys doing this crazy stuff. OK, I can get that. But for her to just wake up one day and be like, huh, pain is cool. Let's rock with it. Let's keep doing it. Let's find different ways to do it. It just doesn't it just doesn't work for me. If she verbalizes it, it works for me a bit better. I still have a grace period here. I keep saying seven more days. I'm going to give it seven. <laughs> Three weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it seven more days here. At least we get some action out of this. I just need her to verbalize why she's acting out the way that she is. Because it reminds me a lot of Becky Lynch in terms of when she came back from her pregnancy, had the kid, comes back, realizes that Bianca Belair is on top of the world and she is jealous of that. She's very resentful. She sells her soul to win the championship. And that's how we get big time Bex. We got the motivation. We got the reasoning heading into their match at WrestleMania, which was needed. Context is so important. So I need Liv to give me that reason on a microphone in her normal voice telling me why all of this pain and all of this torment works for you now without a championship. If I get that, I can connect a bit more with the Harley Quinn of his, with the Harley Quinn of his, well, let me say that again, with the Harley Quinn-ness of it all. And I can kind of jive with it. I like the action aspect, but I need the story to be a bit more verbalized for me to buy in completely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the big thing is she's she's still got to she's got to to cut that promo and just explain why this the shift has happened. And I still need to know why she tapped out at SummerSlam since she likes so much pain. Well, see, that was before she lost something, Scott, after she lost it. She felt as if, you know what, I need the pain to survive, to endure. I, I figure she she felt her arm getting ready to snap. And she was like, oh, this feels great. Maybe I should just let it keep popping. Nah, let me tap out. Oh, I got her. Look at that. I won. What do you know? See, it all feels better. When you're winning, it feels great. When you're losing, you feel like shit. So and then you find a new thing to crave, which is pain. I wish AD, I wish Anthony Davis liked pain like she did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had to get more games out of him. <laughs> wow. I felt that shot all the way from here. I'm sure he felt that from LA too. Damn. That shade traveled 3,000 miles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Street clothes won't like that, but hey, it's true. Game two, he was already heading to the locker room. And I thought, is this a tape from last year's game? Oh, it's actually happening now. Scott's pissed. That's what Liv I Morgan's jumping off of, off of ladders, going through tables. Her, she's five two, one hundred pounds. Anthony Davis is seven foot two sixty. It takes one bump on the floor. I mean, it was a it was a decent bump, but like, you took one hit, dude. Come on, man. Liv Morgan's more built than Anthony Davis for this. No question. No question about it. And if she carries a baseball bat, she scores bonus points with Scott. Cheddar biscuits. <laughs> cheddar, <laughs> cheddar biscuits. No doubt. No doubt. Absolutely too much. Now, let's focus on the closing segment of Friday Night SmackDown. Logan Paul shows up. 
He's barely liked in his home state. He's just not going to be a baby face. He'll begrudgingly get pops for doing great things in the ring, but he's never going to be that guy who's going to be unanimously, unanimously loved by the WWE fans. You have to put in the work and then we will pop for you and respect you accordingly. So he needs one lucky shot to beat Roman Reigns, one lucky punch. So Jay, who was told by a step daddy, Sami Zayn, that you are not to get involved in this segment. Do not touch Logan Paul. Don't attack him. Don't engage him. Jay did the opposite. He went after Logan Paul, super kicked him, beat his ass. Sammy says, that's enough. Roman says, stand down, get out of here. Jay shrugs it off and he runs into a knockout punch. Let me clarify something, ladies and gentlemen. The punch absolutely sucked. It did not land, but Jay deserves his money that night for selling as if he got knocked out like a Tyson fight in the early 90s. And then Sammy's face was like, oh my God. Rome is going to kill you, Jay, next week when he comes home on FS1. I like the sell job of Sammy believing, oh, shit, you done messed up, Jay. He told you not to do this. Logan had a moment, too. But the punch was not punching for me. So I, I like the I like the idea of, of the story that they tried to tell there. Um, you know, it would be better if Logan Paul had, you know, had credibility as a boxer. But I, I do like the idea of the story that it just takes one lucky shot. You know, I I, I like because they're not pretending like he's going to go out there and out wrestle him. You know, they're not pretending like he's going to go out there and shock the world by wrestling him. It's going to take a lucky shot. So I, I do appreciate that aspect. But if you're going to do that, you need to you, the shots got to look good. You know, that's the first thing. Um, secondly, I the problem is, man, I don't like how they're doing Jay Uso. That's main event Jay. Main event Jay shouldn't be t- getting knocked out by Logan Paul. He shouldn't be the guy taking that lucky shot. That should be Sammy. Sammy should be the guy taking that lucky shot. What, regardless of how it happens, that should be Sammy getting knocked out, not main event Jay Uso. You know, like I get you wanted the reaction and you wanted him to be the defiant one because he, he's the hothead and he played into that. Well, I'm the hothead. Who knows what I'm going to do? I like that. But it's just main event Jay just has so much energy and, and, and juice to it. I hate that he's constantly taking pinfalls or constantly the one taking these big moves or getting knocked out by whoever he's facing. Just Jimmy's right. That's what Jimmy's for. Like I know Jimmy, maybe Jimmy, I know Jimmy wasn't there or whatever the case was, but that's what Jimmy's for. Sammy can take those blows, but main event Jay Uso should not be doing that every week. It feels like. I will disagree for this reason and this reason alone. I feel like they're playing into a dormant dynamic from two years ago and that Sammy feels like the right hand man. Now the guy that is, Roman's ear, the guy that is by his side that takes directives. And don't forget what Logan said a couple of weeks ago. Who's really the tribal chief here? You, Jay, or Roman? Because Jay was the assertive one. Jay was the one to initiate the attack when Roman told him to stand down. So who's really leading who around here? And Sammy playing that dynamic of what Jay played a couple of years ago kind of makes sense. So I can allow the hit that Jay took on Friday because we're telling a bigger story here of who's really the tribal chief and who's really the right hand man. Is it Sammy? Is it Jay or is it Roman? Well, I, you know, I can definitely, you know, get with that. And that that makes sense. And the story has been solid. So, you know, who am I to question the story? I just, 
I just wish Jay was more protected. And I do get I, that makes logical sense with him not being the number two. I just Jay Uso as that when they had main event Jay man they had something. I still think they could. I just wish they would just protect him a little bit more. He he takes. I feel like he takes every loss whenever they they do lose. I feel like he's the one who takes the loss, and he's the one who constantly gets this stuff. But it does fit the storyline. So hopefully we'll see what happens next week. I this is a story I'm willing to give that seven day uh, lean to. <laughs> That seven day grace period that I'm giving right. Liv for three more weeks because she has to t- give me a reason why I try to be nice to a point. But I will see how it goes because I do feel like they're telling a larger story with Jay and I can allow him getting hit by Logan Paul because as we all know during those Usos matches, Jimmy was the one getting pinned and Roman was looking at him a certain way like what the hell is going on here? But now the dynamic has reversed a bit with Jay being the one a bit more hot headed and Sammy being the voice of reason and Roman leaning on Sammy a bit more to issue out orders, which was Jay's job just two years ago. Yeah. And you, and you definitely see the dynamic change, you know, um, and even you even see it with Jimmy and, you know, Jimmy is, you know, he's, he's doing songs with Sammy, you know, he's doing the dances with Sammy. They've got the handshake solo is, you know, he's rocking with Sammy. So the dynamic is all shifting and, that's kind of what makes the story intriguing because you really don't know what's going to happen. Is is this all leading to Jay Uso turning on them all and him being the guy? Is it all leading to Sammy? Great storytelling. Intrigue is there. That's a big word we've been using this show. The intrigue is very high for this story. Yes, intrigue is the word of the day. And I have to shout out Jimmy Uso for borrowing Sammy's phrase, yes, my dog, and kept a straight face the entire time backstage. I don't know how he did it, my dog. (laughs) I love that. Now they're on the my dog basis for Jimmy calling Sammy that. That was adorable. And now we got to put a wrap on all of the WWE talk as we now have to take that dive into NXT Halloween Havoc, a place we kind of sort of don't want to go to, but we got to because it's our job to give you what you need to get you through your Sunday morning as we kick things off with the five-way ladder match to crown a new NXT North American champion after Solo vacated the title due to Shawn Michaels telling us five days after the fact, hey, hey, Solo, um, the match was unsanctioned and uh, that championship defense wasn't supposed to happen on SmackDown, but hey... Can you give up the title and just move on and be happy with the bloodline? Sure. That was stupid still, but we got this match involving Nathan Fraser, Ormensa, Wesley, Von Wagner, and Carmelo Hayes. And I thought this was, until the main event, the best thing on the show by far. The ladder bumps during this match were absolutely ridiculous. Everybody shy. Nathan Fraser was giving me Seth Rollins with his gear. So that was a nice nod to his father, his adopted father who trained him, raised him up to be who he is today. Lovely crossbody on Von, on Von Wagner. But let's talk about Von, shall we, Scott? Because he took a trip to the barbershop and he decided on this night to get cornrows. Thoughts? My thoughts. This dude decided to go to the same barber as Tiffany Stratton. I don't know what's going on with, you know, these people thinking that they could just put cornrows on. This dude had the fish bones. 
Like let's let's not get it twisted. He didn't just have the straight backs. Like he had fish bones. Like, or at least that's what they look like. Maybe you know. I, God dang it, man. Um, Vaughn, I, I, it's crazy because I thought he I thought he was great in the match, but every time I looked at the back of his head, I was like, you and Tiffany Stratton just pissed me off. <laughs> at least he didn't dye his hair pink. Um, I, I, I just, I, is that the new thing? Like, I didn't even know cornrows were still a thing. Like, I thought that had faded out in the early 2000s. Now, I like Mustafa Ali's cornrows. Those are nice. So, now, see, those, those work. That's a nice look right there. I think they fit him really well. They don't fit Big Daddy V, though. <laughs> no. It's a total mistake. It's a t- <laughs> I mean, like, like, who thought that was a good idea to put that man? And then Stone. Why Stone got that rat tail on the back of his head? <laughs> so what the hell going on with these two and, and the grooming? Somebody got to talk to them. I need, I need Walker HBK, <laughs> Texas Ranger. I I need him to put his his sheriff hat on and go and talk to them boys. Have to sit, bring him in the room like he did Mellow and, and Solo and all them. Whatever he need to do, lay the law down. But we got to get this grooming under under control. We need some rules laid down in the backstage area. You need to have certain criteria for the grooming. Yes, no appropriations are allowed here. Oof. Okay. Because it was just a bit too much. I just want to say for the record that when Scott did the Who Told You, Brandy Rhodes temporarily hopped in his body. <laughs> Who in the hell told you to put cornrows in your hair? I, I mean, like, seriously, like, cause this, this is apparently a thing. Because we, we've seen it multiple times. Um, I just... From people who shouldn't be doing, it. and I'm just wondering where this idea is coming from. Who's telling them that this is a good idea? Like, what what reason did Von Wagner think that he was like, you know what, I'm gonna go get some fish bones in, man. I'll be right back. I'm gonna see you in like an hour. And he came out looking in the mirror, thinking, "Oh damn, I look good." <laughs> that boy got his hair hot combed and everything. To also quote, to also quote Bray Wyatt, they lied to you, man. <laughs> they lied to you. Yeah, man. If you were doing it for heat, you didn't get the, the only heat you got was from that hot comb they put your hair through to get it straight enough to start wrapping it up, all right? That's the only heat you got. <sighs> Madam CJ Walker from heaven, like, I did not do all of this for that. <laughs> I didn't do this for that. I didn't. I did not do that for that man, but I leave it alone. Can you imagine Von Wagner in a hot comb? That's the only thing I can think of that got that hair straight enough for somebody to cornrow that head that he got and like to put them fish bones in, man. It's, but Von was great in the match, though. I thought he did really good in the match. I did laugh at Booker T somehow. You could see in Vaughn's eyes, like, wait a minute. Were you here last? <laughs> I 
was like, were you here last year? Because he was soulless in the eyes. He has a bit more soul there now, but honey, there was nothing to see there a year ago. He was a blank fucking slate, but he was much better here tonight. I thought this is a really good performance by him. The way he yeeted Wesley over the announce table and there are shocked people in the crowd. We have Velma and Daphne from Scooby-Doo in shock at, at this. And they found me on Twitter because I mentioned that Daphne was confused through some of this show and she says hey that's us like girl you doing your job tonight because you are selling what the fuck is going on like nobody's business and that spot said it all man i i you know i know we had our fun with vaughn and his and his ridiculous hairdo but i i do want to take a minute and just talk about what a vast difference and what an improvement he truly has you know because you you mentioned the eyes and just being lost, just looking lost. And that's what he did at first. But I, I thought Vaughn was in command from the moment he walked out to, you know, b- reining in the booze, telling him, bringing in more and just being comfortable in his skin. And he had some really nice spots, good power spots. He was a great base, I thought, in the match, which we all knew he would be as the big man there. I really... I enjoy watching Von Wagner now, um, and I thought, and you mentioned that wet spot. That's a that's a lot of faith and a lot of trust in somebody to be able to just hoss them over. And, ha- and I mean, that's a that was a perfect throw. It were however you look at it, that's a perfect throw. He hit the announce table spot on, so it was one bounce right off. So I was really, really impressed with Von Wagner in this setting with all of these high flyers all around him. And I thought he did a really good job of standing out. Agreed. Now, his one faux pas was that big-ass ladder. He tried to get in the ring and he almost knocked somebody out. Who decided to make those big-ass ladders? They were too fucking big. Not only that, but to have to have that placement of it right there, where you know that the only like you have to pull it out a certain way, and it's like the the entire arena is just built different, like it's built differently. So you you would put that you should put that ladder like right at the ramp, so you have a whole bunch of space to pull it out from. So yeah, big big daddy V almost took out a fan, a little too much fan interaction right there. It's not it's, you know it's not the it's not the type of fan interaction that they're looking for. They don't want it to that close that up close and personal. Where's my dude saying as close as it gets? <laughs> that's that's it. Got almost got re- somebody almost went home with a busted lip big ass lawsuit before the night was over i love how the fans cursed out vaughn you suck vaughn for that dude but he recovered nicely and shout out to nathan fraser and carmelo hayes for that inverted spanish fly on the ladder oh my craziness then wesley does a guillotine leg drop on ladder to nathan as well just the craziness of these ladder bumps were ridiculous on this particular show and uh, and there was a, a moon salt onto a ladder that Wesley was on. I, this match was absolutely bonkers. Like it's to even try to recap everything that happens is it, just hard to do. As far as standouts, I thought Nathan Frazier looked incredible throughout this entire match. I thought every time somebody did something, Nathan Frazier was the guy that was right there, ready to make a big move. I felt like he was all over the match. He was, I mean, just everywhere, hitting big spot after big spot. Um, he, even though it was Wesley had the big moment, I thought Nathan Frazier really stood out and really came away from 
this match feeling like the next guy up or feeling like that special guy. Like I, he's got something, man. I, I know I talk about needing to cut that promo, but he's a guy as of right now can really just go out in the ring and get himself over just from the work he does. Like he's got an extra gear that a lot of guys don't have. He's so quick and explosive. And then he gets to the top rope so quick. He gets great hang time. And Nathan Frazier is awesome. He's incredible. I love him. He was my second choice to win this match. I had Wesley as a guy to win, but something about Nathan Fraser, you keep saying about the promo, I get it, but just what he does is incredibly captivating to watch. He's charismatic as well in his own way, and the fans love him. He's only going to get better. He's, what, 23 years old? Not even the problem of his career yet to be as great as he's going to be in a few years' time. Orminsa was good as well. Unfortunately, when he went for that dive, nobody caught him. That was very dangerous. They all recovered nicely from that. Then eventually, Orminsa and Nathan Fraser collaborated to get rid of Von Wagner by throwing a little ladder over him and beating his ass with it for a bit. Great spot fest between Carmelo, Mensa, and Nathan Fraser at one point. And Wesley eventually wakes up. He is... We awaken, rejuvenated from being tossed over that announce table by Von Wagner. He is going to meet Carmelo Hayes at the top. They fight back and forth a bit. Great battle on a bladder bridge until Wesley delivers a meteora to Carmelo Hayes. Knocks him out. Cupid sees the climb the ladder. Grab the belt to become the new North American champion. Very good finish. Very emotional win for Wesley. The fans loved him. They loved a lot of people besides Von Wagner, who they said boo, hiss every time he tried to grab the belt. But I really thought this was a strong match. A lot of innovative ladder spots and bumps and insanity between all five people in this match. And shout out to Von Wagner for being a good base. Because if this was a year ago... I would never say that with a straight face. This year, you did good. Just get rid of the Conroe's Conroe, son. Just not a good look. No more cornrows for you. Just don't do anything with corn. Just, you know, nothing nothing with corn. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought the match was crazy. And it works for NXT to have matches like this because they don't have a lot of just balls-to-the-wall spot fests like this. You don't see matches like this all the time. So this felt different this felt like all this stuff was warranted because it's not things you see all you don't just see four crazy high-flying guys like that were in this match all together just doing ridiculous things and that's what you got out there that that reverse spanish fly on the ladder from the middle rope mm-hmm. springboard was that was incredible i i openly gasped and was like oh my god and the, I almost had to put the tribal, you know, the tribal chief almost woke up. I heard a little, you know, had to put the bink back in his mouth for the, can't want to upset the tribal chief this late at night. But no, it just great match. Loved it. Um, great way to start the show. Uh, four and a quarter tiers for me. That is more than fair. As we move on to now a cinematic match, I did not give two shits about why did it happen i think the Shawn michaels walker texas ranger Shawn michaels realized are we on usa or this is peacock because this was usa halloween havoc i f- i could forgive this a bit more but what in the hell was this this was alba fire chasing after toxic attraction in a haunted house of horrors we got mandy rose jesse jane who's like the sister in the group like listen we gotta go i ain't feeling it this ain't it i ain't gonna die she died in storyline in this situation here. And Gigi Dolan, who just embraces the craziness of it all. It was stupid. 
Nothing will top Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis's House of Horrors a couple of years ago for the OG Halloween Havoc on USA. This was a low rent version of what we got last year involving Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. I didn't like that one either very much outside of uh, Andre Chase taking his kids on a field trip. That was funny. Nothing was funny about this particular match. And this was so long and overwrought and dumb. And then we get a continuation that leads into their match later in the show, which was stupid. But I didn't like any of this. It was a waste of time. And if it was on USA between breaks, sure. But to dedicate 10 minutes to this shit was a bit much. Well, my whole thing is, you know, Manny Rose or Alba was like, you know, if, if you want to fight, why don't you come out here and come get me? If I'm Manny Rose, I'm like, no. Why am I driving out there? I'm the champ. If you don't show up, I win. I'm still gonna get. I'm not. I'm not driving out there. That's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, I this I this was this was a waste of time. Um, yeah, Gigi enjoyed the craziness, but she still got beat up. Um, JC was the only logical person, so of course she was the first one to go. And and then Mandy, the over the the arrogant cocky one. Um, I I just. If you would have just cut out the entire middle portion and just had them showing up, walking out, and then uh, Alba just comes out and, and takes them all out with the bat, picks up Mandy, drives off, that's that's a, that's fine. That's 30 seconds. That's fine. You know what's going to happen. That makes sense. I'm cool with that. But instead, we got each... We got essentially the killer who would be Alba Fry or Alba Fire in this keep calling her Alba Fry, Alba Fire in this particular uh, scenario as, as the, the quote-unquote monster, the killer, we got each individual kill played out on the screen. For what reason? I have no idea. We even had JC crawling at the end of the, the segment saying, no, don't take her. No. <laughs> so I will find that word. I'm not going to take her. I'm going to just come bash your brains in and let you both know that, you know, like it's just ridiculous. And then, you know, we'll get to it later on because they eventually get back to the arena, but it must be a pretty far, it must be a pretty decent drive because it took them about two hours. Because they didn't come back to the very end of the show because this was at the beginning. So that's at least a two-hour drive. And also, ladies, I have to understand. Why y'all not bringing weapons to none of these fights? Like, why is why people not bringing weapons to these fights? Uh, Liv Morgan, she dropped her bat. You see Alba got a bat. Nobody came strapped. Nobody came with no weapons. You know, no bats. Nothing. I just... Just, just be logical, man. If I'm if I'm going to somebody's home turf, I'm coming prepared. I'm having weapons, multiple. I'm having a backpack full of stuff. Even Cora Jade would bring her kendo stick. Right? Y'all didn't bring shit but yourselves. That's not gonna work. Not even a barbed wire bat, kendo stick, a two by four, something. Not even water. You know she got fire. You didn't even bring no water to put the fire out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so they could have brought super soakers. Well, it wasn't quite nine o'clock yet. You know, that's that's a little we get a little too hot and heavy before nine o'clock. Okay, let's not push it, Keela. I know we're on the PLEs and stuff, but we can't get too crazy before nine o'clock. See, the fact that your mind went to that place. (laughs) 
the super soakers are like water guns, fancy water guns. And your mind went to the absolute depths of the gutter. I don't blame you, but that's how far NXT's taken us to the sex gutter. <laughs> we just swim in it now. We just swim in the gutter of gutterness of NXT. I blame 2.0 for all of this. And speaking of 2.0, our next match comes straight out of NXT 2.0. I tweeted during this match, how do you overbook a casket match? I've never seen it before until last night as it was Grayson Waller versus Apollo Crews. And like Grayson Waller during the spin the wheel, make the deal. Why wasn't this a blindfold match? Really? It would have been better than whatever the hell this was because according to WWE rules, there's got to be a particular way to get your opponent in the casket. So Darby Allen's fucked in this setting because if he went through the casket, well, sir, you don't win even though you put your opponent through there or putting yourself through there too. It doesn't count. Cause at one point, Grayson Waller pokes Apollo Crews in the eye with a pin. And then Booker T blames Vic Joseph saying, how could you do that? How could you leave that out there for him to use against Apollo Crews? How are you supposed to know that Grayson Waller was going to use a pin as a weapon, Booker? But I'll get to you soon, sir. Cause you said, you said something else egregious on this show, but anywho, At one point, Grayson Waller is going to put Apollo Crews through the casket, through the casket. And if he's in the casket, he wins the match, right? Oh, no. Because the WWE referees and rings that have a conference saying, well, we don't know what to do. Is it really a finish that is going to be allowed to have somebody go through the casket and you don't close the casket in on your opponent? So as they have this fucking conference in the ring, the lights go out. There's moody music playing and we cut the lights back on and the casket is empty and we have Apollo Crews standing on the main stage and we have more druids coming out because when Undertaker's retired, you know, they're on this work release program. They come when needed. So they bring a supersized coffin, like an Airbnb coffin. That is decked out, bigger, a little roomy, a little homey, honestly. Got some pillows in there, satin, velvet, very fancy. So you're telling me you had a backup coffin just in case the first one fell through. Yeah, the cheap ass coffin, but let's bring the replacement for this match. And from there, Apollo Cruz goes wild with overhead slams, fall away slams, clotheslines on Grayson Waller. Grayson fights back with the rolling cutter through the ropes. But then we have this nice inverted face buster power driver by Apollo Cruz. And he's going to choke slam Grayson Waller inside the casket and close it shut to end this clusterfuck of a casket match because why not have one casket when you can have two to overcomplicate matters and in doing so you turn the crowd against Apollo Crews and they root for Grayson Waller because they feel like he should have won the match when Apollo went through the casket to to begin with. What a dumb match in terms of booking. Please. I, this is one of those times I just throw my hands up and I say, why? Um, why was the match booked? Why was it booked that way? And, um, you know, I also need to know how come Apollo Cruz's eye 
was bleeding, you know, the following weeks, you know, for weeks. And then he got, he got powers all of a sudden. But Grayson Waller had his eyes messed up and he's fine next week. He's absolutely fine. No powers, though. You know, he can't see into the future. Um, you know, I wonder what Apollo wrote into his diary about this. And I also need to know whose idea it was. You know, do we need to blame Walker for this as well? Walker HBK, by the way. <laughs> Who decided that Apollo Crews should become the next Undertaker? You know, and, and should just start controlling Druids, because I guess Joe Gacy ran out of money. So he can't he can't afford him anymore. Um so whose idea was that? And then for him to just be able to be like, yeah, bring another coffin out. Also, that coffin was twice the size of the first one. The first one looked like it was made of plastic, just completely cheap. The second one looked like it was something they might actually bury somebody in. A um, lot of questions. A lot of questions. The match wasn't that good. Grayson Waller's my guy. And I thought they literally did everything they could to make him look as pathetic as possible. And I think that's a shame because he's a guy who at one point in time had the most heat you could ask for with that audience in the best way possible. And now he's just like, I, I get Apollo's, I guess, a big deal down there, but Grayson Waller should be a guy that you're building up. You know, I, I maybe Apollo's the next challenger because I, I have thoughts on the main event too. I guess maybe Apollo's the next guy to go after the belt, but I just the presentation of Grayson Waller here was was awful. I it was just not good. And then Apollo's got these powers and stuff, and he can. It's just this was not a good match. Waste of time. Two tiers. I would give it one tier. Fair. I mean, it was just a really bad match in terms of booking. You had a second casket that was better than the first one. You had the bitch one hundred for your first casket. And you get the like the I would like to die in this casket for two thousand. Right? Like I would like to die in this. This is a nice, comfy casket. Like, why are you doing this? It made me feel sorry for Grayson, who kind of won fair and square, and, and I was just confused as to why any of this happened. And Apollo's third eye did not factor into this finish at all. So does he still have his that Raven powers to see into the future? Is he still clairvoyant? I do not know. And quite frankly, at this point, I do not care. Yeah, and I, you know, I did really hate the fact that Apollo went th- literally went through the casket and was just laying in there for seconds. Like, if I'm Grayson Wall, like, why didn't he just open the door back up and close it? Uh, was the handle broke? Were the, were the latches broke that he couldn't open and just close it real quick? Because that, that's all it would have taken. All he had to do was literally go out the ring, lift whatever whatever door is still left there, and close it. <laughs> and the match would have been over. That's just all that had to happen. But instead, he's like, what's going on? What's going on? The lights go out and Apollo Crews is all of a sudden the Undertaker raising people up from the dead. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm, I, I'm taking a tear away. One tear. I'm, with, I'm, I'm, I'm going with you, Keela. One tear. See how we come together after all of this. We're on the same page because this match sucked. By far the worst thing besides what would happen later in this show as being why, why NXT, why would you do this? As we move on to Roxanne Perez versus Cora Jade in a weapons wild match. It was weapons galore, trash can lids, trash cans. We had brooms, kendo sticks, steel chairs. 
No table bumps, oddly enough, on this show. But I thought that this match was okay. I think this is Cora's best performance ever. Not saying a lot, but I thought she held her own here. Loved the foot stomp onto the trash can, what, which was covering Roxanne Perez. And she kicked her out the ring. And Roxanne took a pretty nice bump on the outside. Roxanne delivered a couple of dives to Corey Jade at one point as well, which gets us to Booker T stating something absolutely f- ridiculous and farcical. So, Scott. I know that you've been to Chick-fil-A, correct? Oh, abs- absolutely. I, I've i had Chick-fil-A as well, okay? Based here in Atlanta. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful franchise. Lovely, lovely food. Politics withstanding. <sighs> Have you ever got a 10-piece meal from Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I... I don't think they come in 10 counts. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty sure that's McDonald's. He's supposed to be talking about a 10-piece nugget, that number nine. <laughs> I was he ain't like, talking about a 12 count. Because <laughs> I, I, the only counts I've gotten from Chick-fil-A, listen, you know, I, my three-year-old likes Chick-fil-A too, so we, we, we go there a, a decent amount. Um, but, uh, yeah, an eight and a 12 count is all I remember. But I do know McDonald's is a solid 10-piece, that number nine. Barbecue sauce. I was trying to check. Because everybody said there's a 10-piece at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Where? Because I have never seen it. Can I get the 10-piece, please? Of what? I'm going to ask for that and see what they do. I, like, What they going to charge me? Are they going to charge me for the 8-count or for the 12-count? The 10-piece special at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> that was different. Can I ask you a question? Was that the time when Vic Joseph decided to come again? When Vic Joseph decided to come and be like, "Well, we ain't talking about a two piece and a biscuit." Yes. Okay. In Got the it. Same conversation. Like, what is this commentary right now? <laughs> we got fictional meals at Chick-fil-A that don't exist. There is no 10-piece special at Chick-fil-A. And we got Vic Jokes about two-piece and a biscuit. From where, Popeye's bitch? Where? <laughs> KFC? Church's chicken? Where? Oh, man. Okay. So when we talk about the food, that kind of says it's more, this is more exciting than the actual match, which was okay. Eventually, Roxette Perez grabs Kendo Stick and she uses it against Corey Jade. That Kendo Stick's very loud, so the shots accordingly. Then, they are gonna bra- then they're going to brawl by the balcony, and I can see the table from afar. So there's going to be a table bump. This is where things get a little weird. So you would think that you are trying to inflict as much pain to your former best friend as possible. Right, Roxanne? So why would you willingly grab your former best friend and yourself and you dive together through a table? Thank you for being a friend down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant as you gave me this Thelma and Louise-like finish. And to top it off, these enemies, Scott, these hated enemies who can't stand each other. I did love how Cora J checked on her enemies. Said, girl, you okay? Gave her that tap. We're good. Let's continue to hate each other. Yeah, I... 
I, and the worst part is I thought most of the match was actually pretty solid. Like I thought they were doing a good job of that. And then like the whole, the whole ending, like and you, you did, you failed to mention that Roxanne also had just completely hesitated, like had her right on the edge. And all she had to do was just push her off. She had already gotten Molly Wop the entire match. And now all of a sudden she's like, I can't do it. You're my friend. Let's hug it out. Cause that's essentially what happened. They hugged it out on the way down. <laughs> Um, and then I guess Roxanne must have said something slick to her. And that's when she was like, nah, I'm not okay. I'm not your friend no more. Um, this was, the ending was just ridiculous. I, you know, Roxanne deserves better. At least, at least she won. That's, that's the good thing. Cause she needs to move on and get ready to dethrone Mandy Rose. Um, but I just, the, the match was okay. You know, at best, um, I thought Cora Jade, I think she's she's also improving. She's just not great in the ring, but I think she's improving. Her character work is really strong now. Her as a heel works really well. And I will say she she fits more of the crazy girl vibe than Liv Morgan does. I can 100% buy her being like, yeah, I, I like being in the pain. I like these type of matches. I You know, that's just me. Maybe I just don't like Liv Morgan. I don't know what it is, but... This was a good match for Cora, I thought, but the ending and just all that other stuff, just, you know, you got to remember you're always on camera. You're always on camera. Even when you're not, you're always on camera. At least that's how you got to project it. And that little check, it's got to be, you know, you already you already went down in a hug. The least you could do is like roll over and check on her instead of just, you know, that's just me. Do the little whisper on the side. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's just that. Because I'll never forget. But it's it's not just you, because I remember there was a match on SmackDown years ago with Natalia and Nikki Bella. And Natalia is supposed to be the bitch heel in the storyline. And it's a hardcore match. And she takes it to Nikki Bella and she says, great job on the bump. Like, Natalia, hey. see, girl, the, the mic is live and it's hot. Can you at least sell being like angry and heelish? It's OK to check on your girlfriend. But let's let's be a bit more discreet, shall we? Just saying. You know, even Becky copped a feel with Oscar that one time. Said, so you okay, girl? You all right? I do remember that. That was actually a great moment in Raw history, but I digress. But let's focus on, oh, I want to mention the finish of the match before I move on to our next matchup. I did like the Papa Rocks on the chair by Roxanne to Cora Jade. That was a great bump, a nice way to finish the match before they went all filming Louise on us off the balcony as they hugged it out in midair as they went through a table. Two, two tears from me. I thought the ladies worked hard. Um, I just didn't like the finish. I mean, not the, the finish was fine with the, the pop rocks on the chairs, but what led to the finish and the hesitation and all that stuff, just, just a little ridiculous. It was. I agree. Solid match. Nice effort from both ladies. Here's hoping that Roxanne Perez is the one to dethrone Mandy Rose to win the championship at some point in the very near future, which we'll get to momentarily. But first... I got to discuss Julius Creed versus Damon Kemp in an Avalanche match. And because of my bias towards one Julius Creed, I am not allowed to talk about this match. But I will say the missile drop kick to Damon Kemp by using that steel chair was pretty damn sweet. And I enjoy looking at Julius during this match. Shut a biscuits all day, Scott. Shut a biscuits all day. 
I thought this was, you know, this to me, this was the most intriguing match because, you know, this is a big test for Julius and for Kemp. You know, I I think this is a big moment for both of them to show that they can hold their own. They can have this type of match. They were given all the bells and whistles, you know, to have a big uh, hardcore match. And I thought the match was really strong. Um, there was a nice level of physicality. This didn't feel like a just a normal, a regular wrestling match. The ambulance stipulation was played into and used. I like how they used that. Um, just the the chair shots that they were the chair with the Julius name on it, little things like that. Kemp's a good heel. He's a really really good heel. Um, you know, I think his in-ring work is getting better, but him as a heel, I think he's I think he's got his character down. I I really enjoy what he's brought to the table, and I thought he was really good in this match, just really antagonizing Julius throughout. Those chair shots were brutal. Um, and those ones that Julius, those 10 that he laid into Kemp, you felt those 10. Like the, Each one of those were dead on. They Those were not the Mrs. chair shots. Those, <laughs> those were some chair shots right there. Let me, let me tell you that. Um, the match was strong. I, I really enjoyed the, the, where Julius was holding on to the door and just Kemp is just slamming the, the, the door onto his fingers. And I'm like, Holy hell, what the hell is going on here? This is, this is crazy. Um, Kemp has a big power bomb on the on the uh, stretcher on the outside for the finish, and then he puts the, the Julius chair right up. Oh, I'm sorry, Julius power bombs Kemp on the stretcher, um, puts the chair up on him, hits his big clothesline finish, carries him into the ambulance, and you can. There's a, a, a nice moment of where he's slapping that ambulance. You can see that he's just excited in storyline because he just saved him and his brother's careers. So. I thought the match was really strong. Nice upgrade from where we had been going. Um, I'm I'm gonna give it three and a half tiers. I really enjoyed the match. A fair score. Really enjoyed the match as well. Love the physicality, and they made it a point to make this a fight. This was not a wrestling match. It was not pretty. It was going to be brutal and violent. And I did love the power bomb. Damon had to flip over for that second one because it was rough because Julius didn't have him at first. But Damon did a great job going up for him for the second attempt on the stretcher before taking the forearm strike and then going inside the ambulance to lose this match. The Julius Creed when the door slammed on Julius' fingers, like, dude, what are you made of? Does that does that not hurt right. that must hurt you are made of like adrenaline for some reason because you just came back out there delivering shots and punches on Damon Kemp very impressive and I did like the fact that we had like a little crowd backstage that there wasn't dead air that, that there that there wasn't dead air backstage that you had a crowd there rooting on the heel and baby face I appreciated that my only caveat was the fans chanting use the pumpkin ladies and gentlemen the pumpkin is fake it's not a real pumpkin it's a gimmicked pumpkin. It's not going to do any real damage. Fuck that pumpkin. Ain't nobody trying to have another beach ball incident. And then, and then, and Kemp did throw the pumpkin at him. And you heard a little like, Boo! you know, like, like exactly like a beach ball when it hits on. Come on, man. Why they had a great match. Don't be trying to don't don't be trying to take over the show. Don't nobody need that from the from the in the audience. Nobody wants that. Just just be the great audience that y'all were during the show. Don't try to take over. No, that was the only part I didn't like. If you want a pumpkin, talk to Linus about it, okay? Right. He'll take to the great pumpkin because that was not a great pumpkin. That was a shitty, cheap-ass, fake pumpkin that you wanted to use as a weapon. Please, come on, y'all. Be better. But otherwise... 
good crowd last night. Shout out to Velma and Daphne and the whole Scooby gang. Y'all made the show for me last night. As we move on to fucking ridiculousness involving Mandy Rose and Apple Fire for the NXT Women's Championship, a match that up until this point, we had no idea was joined in progress. No pop and circumstance. They brawl in the most dangerous place in WWE, the NXT parking lot. Then they get in the ring to begin a match. We had no idea was already starting in the fucking haunted house two hours earlier in Tampa at Netherworld, apparently, Scott, because you said it takes about two hours to get from one place to the other. That's just a rough estimate because very conveniently, you know, as Julius was slapping, as I mentioned, as he was slapping that door and they were driving old Kemp away, who do you know? But fire comes down and she's driving up. So I, I'm assuming that was about a two hour difference. You know, maybe there was a little delay, maybe about at least an hour and a half. I think she probably had to stop and get, she would have had to get gas at some point, you know, because that's a pretty big truck she was into, gas guzzler. So that means she knocked out Mandy Rose pretty good. If the match was in progress, I need to know why there wasn't a ref in the truck mm-hmm. and why she couldn't pin her in the truck. Because mm-hmm. if she was out at that, if she was out at the haunted house and the match was in progress, why did she just pin her there? Because I saw she was unconscious. She had laid all three of them out. Um, th- and, and the weird thing is, I thought that when they got in the ring and they started wrestling and just wrestling before the, the nonsense of the finish... I liked what they were doing. I thought they had a pretty decent chemistry. I thought Mandy Rose, again, looked pretty solid. Real beautiful fallaway slam. Um, I thought Fire had nice comebacks. Those kicks she was landing were were brutal. The actual in-ring work that we saw, the limited amount, because the match was only like five minutes and we only got three minutes of actual in-ring work, I thought it was solid. I'd like to see them get... 10 minutes of just wrestling, just straight up wrestling. I think they would be good. But then we get the nonsense finish with the rest of Toxic Attraction coming out when they were supposed to be laid out too. I don't remember them getting a ride. When did they wake up and drive, make that two-hour drive? Because Fire had to have at least a 30-minute head start. You know, at least. So unless she stopped and got gas twice and they only stopped once, <laughs> there's no reason they should have got there at the same time. And just a ridiculous finish. Mandy comes in, gets the big knee. It doesn't make sense because they did all this to prop Mandy up and show that she can do how good she is and the whole put some respect. Oh, put some respect on her name. She said that to some like demon or whatever that popped up at the haunted house, too. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah, and, and like they did all that with the big triple threat and you know and now they're they're going back to her just being needing all this help from the outside. You know, I I, I didn't like what they did with Mandy Rose here. Um, the finish was ridiculous. The whole match in progress was stupid because Fire should have been champion. This gets one and a half tears from me. I have to agree with you. For the three minutes we saw in the ring, I thought it was pretty good. Mandy Rose is not wrestling underwater. She's actually fluid in there lately. I guess working with Miko Satamora has blessed her ability to work again. Because when she's on, she's pretty good. And we saw that last night. And Alba Fire had the match won with the Gory Bomb special. And the referee took a bump. Of course he did. When it counted the most. You, of course you could not be there to count the pin. And unfortunately for Alba Fire, she eats a high-low from Jesse and Gigi. And Mandy Rose lands that knee to retain the title. So tainted. But shout out to Mandy. who paid tribute to her late brother. That was a very sweet moment. But... 
you know, this was the prove it to me match. You can do it on your own. And she did not do it on her own. She had help once again, ho-hum finish to a very bad match in terms of presentation. And the thing is, they had everything set up for her to do it on her own. Fire had laid him out. They were there. And you're not doing any damage to Fire because Mandy has been established as this dominant champion. So it doesn't do damage to her. You know, if anything, you've already kind of gotten her over by being able to play these games with her and get in her head. So them having a straight up, even if it was the same, you know, seven minute, five, seven minute match, but just them wrestling and Mandy having to work a little bit from behind. That's that's okay. And the crowd is with Mandy Rose. Like they can try to do what they want and make her this heel. The crowd loves me. That crowd loves and respects Mandy Rose. So you just have you got to just go with what you have. You have everything laid out to tell that story. Just tell that story. Mandy Rose is on. That's the story that she's on is establishing herself and doing what she could do. When they did the backstage promo of her saying, no, I'm going out there because I, that's who I am. But that's not who you are when you stepped into the ring. Like they had everything laid out. All they had to do is just follow through. And they failed. And that was very unfortunate. The booking was right there to make this as fair and square for Mandy as possible. And that did not happen. And that was a disservice to her. And she will be champion for one year come Wednesday. Good for you. But still, what a finish. A shit finish at that. As we move on to now our main event of NXT Halloween Havoc. And it's for the NXT Championship. Triple threat match involving Braun Breaker versus Zilio Dragunov versus, J- versus JD McDonough. And I guess JD heard me heard Jeremy on the show last week he was kind of dissing him I don't want him in this match I was like fuck JD I don't want him here but you know what he told me I got something for you I am not a third wheel in fact I am going to be a standout in this match I am going to do my part and I'm going to shine and for some goddamn reason these people liked him last night but you know what? He did it. He did his thing. This was a really strong chip of the right match for the NXT title. I thought this might have been Braun Breaker's greatest performance to date. And I say that a lot, but he was really good last night. And Ilio Dragunov is incredible. And I need this man fast-tracked to the main roster. I need Ilio versus Gunther Part 3. I need Ilio versus Sheamus. Ilio versus Drew McIntyre. I need all of this on SmackDown immediately but great match and my god the triple team spots down the stretch were absolutely amazing this is a, a great great match one of the best matches nxt has put on in the last since they've been on tv and i, I literally since they've been on tv national television this is one of the best matches they've put on in, in the last three years i thought this was excellent excellent main event um energy the crowd was there JD is that guy he is that guy he is truly an ace man he I was singing his praises last week and I'm gonna sing him again this week he is as good as advertised regardless of whether that man looks like a floating head on a body (laughs) that boy can go in the ring I mean I, he was he was hitting some nasty moves. I mean, just the timing, the the crispness, the 450 splash was clean, landed beautifully. Uh, a beautiful brain buster on Braun Breaker, and I love how his I love how he does his character. 
when Dragunov and Breaker were having these, you know, were going at each other, having these big moments, big spots, big moves, they would go for a pin, and JD would come in, break up the pin, roll right back out the ring. JD would come in, break up the pin, roll right back out the ring. Come in, hit a move, roll right back out the ring. He's like, I'm not going toe-to-toe with y'all. I'm going to let y'all two wear each other down, and then I'll come in and pick the bones. I love that. That's what a smart heel would do, especially someone technical like that. Um, I, Dragunov is a, a great baby face with great fire. When he was chopping them boys side by side, left and right, I mean, just just great fire. And Booker T, when when Dragunov towards the end, he hit a big senton on the Braun Breaker. And Booker T was like, you got to pin him. And Vic was like, no, 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 Book. Watch him here. He's setting up for that torpedo. And Booker was like, no, you got to pin him. And then when Dragunov hit that torpedo, Booker was like, okay, I see it now. Now you go for the pin. Booker, Booker had his moments where he was... Him not knowing about some of these characters added a lot to the match. Him not knowing how good JD was, not knowing the type of fire that Dragunov had, that really added to the match because he, when he saw them doing these great things, hitting these big moves, when JD hit that nice dive on the outside, he, you saw him or you heard him reacting like, oh, wow, okay. Towards the end of the match, that dude, he was, he was calling JD kid. All last week, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. This week, he was saying, yo, JD's in my top five. <laughs> JD, he's in my top five. Like, And that's a testament to how good he was in this match, man. Finish comes towards the end. Um, JD and uh, JD tries to take out Dragonoff's leg. Braun Breaker comes out there. Uh, Braun Dragonoff and Braun are in the ring by themselves. They've laid out JD. He's trying to fight to get back in the ring. Dragonoff's about to go for the torpedo. Braun hits a huge spear. I didn't think this was the finish. I thought it was going to be a kick out. One, two, three. JD's standing right there, and it leads me to wonder. I. Th- still think JD might be the guy to take the title off him because if he's not, why wouldn't you just pin him right here and save that dragon off pin for that singles match? I kind of see where you're going with it. I don't disagree with you. A very curious end to that match. I felt, it, I felt like there was still more time left to do more, even though the show was running long. But I really loved this match. And JD earned his check last night. I can't even deny it. He was incredible. Elio, the truth. Braun Breaker, awesome. One highlight for me that I got to point out is the super Frankensteiner into a sit-up powerbomb mm. to J.D. McDonough. The execution, the timing was everything. We got a triple German suplex into an exploder by Braun to Ilio to J.D. Just incredible triple team spots. Once they figured out J.D. was, you know, trying to pit them against each other, they would chop and just hit them with shots repeatedly. I love that. And then it was Dragonoff and Breaker and Dragonoff intercepts the spear on Breaker and then he hits the torpedo and then JD grabs referee's hand. Don't you count that three? Oh, that was great. Great. Oh my God. It reminded me of Rhea Ripley saying, Don't you put your hand down. I'm not dead yet. Don't you do it. I just loved 
all of this. And as you mentioned about Booker T, he's such a fan, but this is really his first time seeing this up close and personal. And you can see him warming up to everybody, getting the vibe for how these guys work and how great they really are. And that's what I love about people not being produced in the ear. You get to react naturally to greatness when you see it. And for him to put JD in his top five immediately was great. But all of these guys last night just showed up and showed out. I still say this. These fans, the PC, some of them don't appreciate how great Bond Breaker is. When he leaves and comes back in two years, they will understand what you had because this guy is generational up and down in every way. And he is special to be doing this for a year. And at this level, at 25 years old, is absolutely insane. And I, I think the other thing that, you know, is really important here with Braun is he's worked with so many different people and so many different styles. You know, that's one thing that I think has been a big complaint about WWE and the, and the especially with the men that they've brought up. The women they've done a better job with. They're, there's a lot more personality and individuality with the movesets and whatnot. But with the men... They all seem to have the same formula. If you're a big guy, you have these same set of moves. If you're a, a flyer, you have these same set of moves. They all do that that kick in the corner. You know, they all do the. So they all kind of have that same move set. Braun's different. Braun's got a different move set. He tosses people around like it's nothing. He throws a spear like a like Goldberg does. But then he'll go to the top rope and hit a beautiful Frankensteiner, just nimble. You know, hit a beautiful moonsault. So him working with all these different guys and seeing these different styles, I think it's just been a a tremendous help to him and really shown the improvement. I know people knocked 2.0 when it came about, but look at what we've gotten from 2.0 from where we, I mean, and where we are now, they've gotten their own PLE and that's a big triple H thing. But, you know, especially the guys on top, Braun Breaker, is is really a an anomaly man like we don't we don't get talents like him a lot and i think you're absolutely right when he comes back he's going to get that hero's welcome and they should really appreciate that they're getting to see him essentially grow up in front of their eyes and still growing and being great he's a unicorn they come around every 20 years and he was sitting there a year ago and now look at him an xc champion two times over delivering in these main events and showing out when it counts most really great main event enjoy the end of the show very very much Ilya Ginpin was a choice but I get it if you're trying to get JD back in the title picture very very soon but a really good way to end Halloween Havoc it was a show that was full of highs and a lot of lows in the middle but I will give this show on the salty tear scale six out of ten Oof. Um, I'm giving the main event four and a half tiers. Really enjoyed it. Ah, man, though, that that Grayson Waller Apollo Cruz match pissed me off. The the horror movie pissed me off. Uh, them not letting Mandy and Fire do their thing when they had pretty good chemistry pissed me off. I'm gonna go five. I'm gonna go five. I. You know, because the first two matches were the first match and the last match were great. And um, the Julius match was pretty good, too. But the stuff that was bad was really bad. Yeah, it felt like an NXT show in USA in some ways. And it just dragged a bit. But I will be fair. I thought the main event was really strong. That gives a six out of me. But no more. I'm not going to push it beyond that. And with that. This is a wrap for all things WWE and NXT Halloween Havoc. But before we go, I do want to point out that somebody's returning to NXT. 
Dominic Dijakovic's coming home. I think that's a, a nice, nice little home. I think he'll get a nice homecoming. He'll be a nice guy to work with uh, Von Wagner, to work with Braun Breaker, to work with some of these big guys. Um, he's a more nimble, bigger guy. I, I'm excited about them, him coming back. And you're not going to do nothing with him on the main roster. This is what you do with him. You bring guys like them, like him down to to, to NXT and you let them work with these younger guys, especially someone who's as talented as, as Dijakovic. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. I, I can't wait to see who he goes after first. Yes. Dijakovic working like Dijakovic, Dijakovic again. I cannot wait. And, I'm still mad at WWE for having my man gain all that fucking weight for no reason. No one, no one that's not what he does. Yeah, no one that's not what he does when he's supposed to be moving around. Hey, my man eating T-bones every day for six months. That should have been his name, T-bone. <laughs> he was a T-bone. Yeah, he was T-bar. <laughs> Wasn't he T-bar? Was it T-bone? He was, he was T-bar. Okay, okay. But he was a T-bone and I love him, but they made my man fluffy for no reason, but he's back to regular size T-bar, Dijakovic, and that's good. I like him fluffy too, but damn, y'all made my man look too big and he can't do nothing with that size, but he's back now, back home, tearing it up, doing him very soon. So that's good to see as he burned his T-bar mask during an insert for NXT Halloween Havoc last night. And with that, this is a wrap on all things WWE and NXT for this week. As always, I want to thank Perky Scott Young for bringing Salty along for the ride for this show. And uh, he'll be back next week, hopefully a Salty and Perky with a little hybrid of hangry for good measure. Well, we'll see. You know, we had a really hard time getting on the air this this week completely my fault so we'll see what happens next week but uh keela it's always a pleasure uh i look forward to seeing what happens next week and seeing if Liv morgan gives you something to work with in this next seven days see now we're approaching week four <laughs> of my grace period here so she has to talk soon but if she keeps doing crazy shit i'm gonna keep giving her grace here but we'll see how far she takes it over the next couple of weeks on smackdown so we'll see how it goes but until then enjoy the week everyone enjoy halloween by the way going down next monday by the time the show drops enjoy the holiday enjoy wwe as we're into the home stretch for crown jewel going down at high noon on november 5th we'll be back covering that in a couple of weeks we'll be back next week covering all the go home show stuff beforehand right here on the fight game media network for myself and for perky scott young that is a wrap on all things wwe and nxt halloween havoc take care